Good morning, good morning. Welcome again to Shiloh Church. If this is your 100th time to Shiloh, let's stick your hands up. Is this your 100th time? 100th time, 100th time. Is it your 10th time to Shiloh? 10th time, 10th time. First or second time, you're very welcome. It's really great to see you. My name's Phil, if you didn't know that already. And apparently I move around the stage a lot, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, who knew? Who knew? Um, we are going to be discussing this morning the idea of transformation and change. Oh, that is... Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a Bible verse in a moment. Uh, my first question for you is this. Um, who here loves dogs? Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. All right, so um, our daughter, who uh, was 12 yesterday, she has been occasionally asking for a dog. Um, and here's what I think about dogs. All dogs are killers and should not be in your house. <laughs> That's amazing. One minute in, I'm being booed off the stage. It's great. Um, so all, like, all dogs are killers. I, I'd love you to try to change my mind about dogs this morning. And who knows? That means that Hope might get a dog. Who knows? So like, well, I, that's my proposition to you. All dogs are killers. Well, you haven't changed my mind. All right. Um, we'll see. I might, you might manage to change my mind over a panini at lunch. Who knows? Um, but that's my view. I don't really like dogs. All dogs are killers. Um, they've got lots of problems. Um, do you think you can change my mind by the time I leave the church? Oh, Simon's not. He's very clear. I'd love you to try. We'll see. Um, and this is a little introduction because I'd love you to think now about something maybe recent that you've changed your mind about. It needn't be about whether all dogs are killers or not, but something you've changed your mind about. Um, have you changed your mind about something recently? It could be as simple as the best coffee is served at Woody's in the high street. Because I think it is. That's my view. But maybe vistas. I don't know. Something you've changed your mind about recently? You can think of something? Just tell each other sort of nearby, near neighbours, what have you changed your mind about recently? Nathan's decided he's changed his mind about me. He used to like me, but now he knows I don't like dogs. I'm out. That's, that's a change. Um, a, a wise person or a comedian once said this, do you know why women's minds are cleaner than men's? Do you know? Why are women's minds cleaner than men's? They change them more often. You absolutely. We are thinking about change and transformation. Romans chapter 12 says this, uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I'm really hoping somewhere this morning that you're thinking a little bit about change, maybe a few things about change in your life, but also about transformation and the difference between a bit of change and a transformation. So I'll start with the end. It's only God who transforms anything. We might change a bit, but it's God and God alone who transforms us, only he. And then there's change as well. So let's think about change and 
transformation. Um, this week, uh, in fact, no, it's last week, I had the privilege of spending time with a transformation executive, 23 people who are employed to transform their organization. I'm, I'm sort of smiling because they're not really going to even change anything, let alone transform it. We'll see how far they get. Um, and as, as I'm saying transformation and change, I'd just love you to think about the differences. We're going to use three examples from the Bible um, and then one nature example. Then I'm going to ask you some questions and then we'll get to point two. There might be other points, who knows? We'll see where we go. Um, so the first example is this. There's a person in the Bible who was once called Saul, who we kind of know as Paul. Um, most of it, we, we, most of his life and work we know as Paul. Uh, and when he was Saul, he was very, very religious. Who's the most religious person you can think of right now? Hmm? Who? Oh, the Pope. I thought you said hope. I was slightly worried there. Um, our daughter's called Hope. I think it's not the most religious person I can think of. The Pope, quite religious. Anybody else bring to mind quite a religious person? Gandhi, Gandhi was quite religious, yeah. Okay. Well, this, this guy, Saul, was super religious in uh, the Jewish faith at the time. And in fact, he was so religious that he hated the Christians like with a desperate passion and because uh, they, we, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He came to save us from our sins and uh, is the Christ. And um, um, Saul at the time, a bit like I don't like dogs, did not like the Christians, except times 100. He just thought the Christians were terrible. Uh, and was out trying to kill, murder, uh, arrest, and imprison the Christians. Uh, and then Jesus met him on the road to this kind of exa- this, this place where he wanted to arrest the Christians called Damascus uh, and met Saul in this blinding light moment. Um, imagine Saul was on a horse or a donkey. I'm not sure what the equivalent would be today. What's, what's a donkey kind of car? Smart, maybe? I drive a smart. What's a horse kind of car? Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as a slight aside, so you might get used to this, and forgive me if you don't know me well enough, um, I do have lots of little asides, I'm allowed because I've got the microphone, you can't really stop me, can you? Um, I went to Jersey last week and uh, got picked up in an electric taxi, fine, it was an electric Mustang, I mean who has an electric Mustang? It, it had a setting on the panel where you could make it sound like a not electric Mustang, so we got anyone, and the, the taxi driver said, listen to this, press the button, I mean, what is the point? Serious. Just tells you everything you need to know about Jersey. Um, forgive me if you're from Jersey. Um, I like Jersey. Jersey's a good, good, good place to be. So Saul was on his way to Damascus, I know. Uh, Saul was on his way to Damascus on donkey horse, uh, and Jesus met him in a blinding light moment. A blinding light. Like this, this moment in time where Jesus spoke to Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? For those of you that know the story, you'll be thinking now about how Jesus met him. And sometimes, you know, Jesus does that. It was a transformative moment for this person called Saul. He ended up blind for a few days uh, and went, went to the place he was going to arrest the Christians and, in fact, ended up uh, being a minister, missionary to the rest of the world. 
He changed his name. Um, I think sometimes we associate the change in name with that moment. His name, again, as a slide aside, uh, was changed not so much to that moment. It was more into his mission. Um, because as he went into the rest of Asia, apparently the name Saul doesn't sound so great in places like Asia. So he just, he just changed his name so that people could get it better um, in places that you couldn't go to. Has anybody visited somewhere slightly unusual with, with an unusual language? No, okay, again, well, where are you going? Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I have this problem in Starbucks where apparently, I know, again, apparently they can't get the name Phil. So you know, if you've been to Starbucks, they write your name on a little coffee cup. You know, I like coffee, right? Yeah, fill in coffee disclosure, shocker. Uh, if you go to a Starbucks, they ask for your name so that when you get your coffee at the end of the counter, they can say, well, I don't know, you know, caramel latte for Phil, double espresso for Phil, flat white for Phil. Those are all my one order. Uh, it's all good. Uh, so they put your name. Um, but I get various versions of Phil, um, sometimes Bill or... Uh, will. I've had a feel, which I thought was fun. Um, coffee for feel. Uh, so I don't know, if you like. Uh, so Saul had the same problem with his name, actually. Um, so Saul, um, the, the word Saul doesn't translate very well into the places that he was ministering, hence Paul. Um, the point here is that he changed his name, but it was God who changed his life. We can change our names. We can change stuff. I can change the clothes I wear. I do frequently. You'll be very pleased to know. Uh, I can change where I shop for coffee. I might even change my mind about dogs with a lot of persuasion. But it's only God and God alone who transforms me. We might, if we're, am I allowed to say lucky, blessed, lucky? You take your choice. We might have a blinding light experience in our electric Maserati uh, or in our four four by four smart or whatever, or we might not. God speaks to us and transforms us in many ways, but it's only he who does the transformation. It's only him. If you're looking for your life to be transformed, and I hope we are, it's only God who does it. It's only God who does it. Um, Zacchaeus, just to switch into the second of the third illustrations for this first point. Second illustration, third... Yeah, you got it. Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus was a fairly short little fellow. Um, not super short, just a little bit shorter than most. And uh, he, wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to hear Jesus and see Jesus. He climbed a tree as Jesus was walking through his little village um, to hear and see what was going on. Uh, and again, you know the story quite well, I think, don't you? Zacchaeus was in the tree. And uh, Jesus looked up to the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. Sort of, I, I imagine it as Jesus reaching up his hand um, and Zacchaeus choosing to come down rather than falling out. Uh, that's how I imagine it. So um, Zacchaeus chose to come out of the tree and uh, met Jesus. Was Zacchaeus' life changed at that point, do you think? I like to make this not rhetorical because otherwise you'll fall asleep in a few minutes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, he was, right? He was, tra he was changed. You know the story. Uh, what, what, did, what happened to Zacchaeus? For those of you that know, he went from what to what? Nought to 100. <laughs> he, was, he was how before he came out the tree? He was a thief. Yeah, and then he became what? Uh, 
I can't even say it, generous, thank you, um, philanthropist. Um, he, was, he was greedy and then he became generous. He was arguably ripping his own people off uh, and then he became a supporter of. Um, he took things he shouldn't have taken and he started to give away. In fact, he was quite transformed. And I love this idea, particularly for us this morning, because sometimes I imagine us, myself actually sometimes, a bit like Zacchaeus in the tree, just watching Jesus do his thing. And you know, I might, I might change a few things. I might listen to somebody's podcast or maybe a sermon and think, that's an interesting little point. I can make a little change. And, and good, we shouldn't dismiss these things. Um, but I'm not going to be transformed, and you're not going to be transformed if we stay in the tree. And for some of us this morning, we've got to get out of the tree. We're watching. That's okay. You know, it's better than not watching, I suppose. But we've got to get out of the tree if we want to be transformed and meet Jesus, and allow him to change us. Otherwise, we're just kind of spectating. Change a bit, maybe a bit of life app. Oh, yeah, fine. But we're not going to be transformed unless we come out the tree. Uh, third example, and in fact, really, it's the message of Jesus out of the three in this uh, little section, uh, is a chap called Nicodemus, who uh, was a sort of, he was a curious religious person. And he met Jesus at night, uh, because he didn't want to be seen yet to be associating with Jesus, and said, look, Jesus, it sounds like you're a very wise person and you have the words of eternal life. What must I do to receive eternal life? Uh, and what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Can you remember at all? Again, no reason why you should, just intrigued. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You're going to be born again. A bit weird to say. Does anybody remember being born no, no, no. Again, slight aside, our daughter, Hope, um, this is confession. Are you ready for a confession? Does anybody feel like uncomfortable when somebody confesses stuff from the front? Because this is the moment just to take a deep breath or run, right? So I'm going to confess a little sin. Um, when our daughter was two, we lost her at Longleat. <laughs> I mean, it was not the finest moment in our parenting experience. So we'd been around Longleat, um, Hope's quite an excitable little person, still is quite an excitable, not so little person. She gets it from her mum, quite excitable. Um, and we'd seen, I think we'd seen some of the animals. Um, she had a penchant uh, for um, red pandas. She loves red pandas. Red pandas, by the way, are not killers. They're lovely. Um, dogs, however. Uh, she's seen the red pandas, and we kind of, if you've been to anywhere like this, they sort of have a little nice pathway. You see the red pandas get excited about the red panda. You can just about see through the, through the tree up there. Lovely red panda. We all get love, love, love it. We love the red panda. And then the pathway takes you to the shop where you can buy a cuddly red panda or whatever you want to buy. Uh, so we found ourselves in a very packed shop and um, getting excited or whatever about like little cuddly red pandas or snakes or whatever else you wanted to buy. And we kind of came out of the shop. We're like, um, where's Hope then? Um, and Rachel said, she's with you. Mm-hmm, no, she's not. She's not with us. She's not with me. She's not here. Uh, that's not quite how the conversation went. There was... <laughs> There was a little less comedy to it and a little bit more panic. Um, heart rates probably went up a little bit. Um, and in fact, as it happened, it took us about 10 minutes to find it, didn't it? Um, the the Longleat were poised to shut the gates out. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, just in case she'd left or somebody had taken her. So all of the thoughts kind of go spiraling. And she'd gone back, I think, to see the red pandas or something. She'd gone back round happy as Larry, which was quite nice for her. Well done. <laughs> it's a little moment in time. Uh, she was lost for a moment to plant the seed of thought for later. And then, thankfully, she was found. Thankfully. She told us yesterday that she remembers this incident. And she was two. This is the point I'm trying to make. I, I can't believe she remembers it. Do you remember anything from when you were two? I don't remember. Yes. Do you remember when you were two? Oh, I'm going to ask you later what happened. Um, we don't remember that young often unless it's a traumatic experience. So may, maybe that's why she does remember. And uh, We don't remember being born, do we? We don't remember being born. You don't remember being born. I'm so close to creating a terrible image for you in your mind that so I'm going to stop. We don't remember being born. But so Jesus says, be born again. What's that about? And it's because he transforms us. We have all the potential in the world to live eternal, creative, amazing, fulfilling, life-giving, light lives. Um, but to be that person, we need him to transform us. We can kind of hope for it. We can do things to try to make it happen. We can pray a lot. We can come to church a lot. We can eat a lot of food. We can go on a diet. We can fast. We can do all sorts of different things. Is anybody fasting for Lent, by the way? Does anybody like taking off chocolate? what a great church. We're just, we're eating ourselves into early eternal life. Brilliant. Um, so like we, we can do all sorts of amazing things. Nothing's going to change us apart from the power of God. He transforms us. It's him who makes us new. It's only him. It's only he who transforms us. So Jesus says, look, be born again. Be born again. If you want to be transformed, if you want to be everything that I have for you, be born again. And he does the birthing. That's what I love. He's not asking us to somehow birth ourselves. He's saying, let me birth you, reborn you, remake you, renew you. You are a new creation, writes Paul. The old has gone, the new has come. And he says, I will transform you. And yes, you might have stuff to do. If you're not sure what this language of born again is this morning, this, is, this might be your morning, you know, to say, this is the morning I'm going to be, ask God to transform me and to rebirth me or to re remake me into something new. I've been trying all this stuff. It's been fine-ish, but nothing's fundamentally going to transform you like anything apart from Jesus. That's what he does. And actually, I'll say thankfully, because if it was up to us, we'd be in trouble. I can't pray enough. I can't. I mean, I can't. I lose my daughter when she's two, for goodness sake. You know, what am I going to do? I need transformation. That transformation power comes from God and God alone, and he gives it to us. There's a little thing to come. You're happy with that, those analogies so far? Yes, Phil, we are. You're not going to say no. You're all too polite. Thank you very much. Uh, another little example here before we pause for a moment. And by the way, the pause isn't the end. Don't get excited. It's a pause. Um, I was trying to think of a better one, but I can't. Are there any, oh, and what's the right word? It's not, is it naturists or naturalists? Because there's a big difference between the two. What's, people who like sort of animals, not naked. What's naturalists, right, good. So we're naturalists in the room. The naturists, I kind of don't want to know. So you, 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 you keep that discreet. And so the naturalists in the room will, will know this better than I. Um, and it's the analogy of, the example of a caterpillar to a butterfly. So a caterpillar spends its life munching stuff on a leaf, munching the leaves. Um, I love the very hungry caterpillar story. It's very funny. 
because I feel like that caterpillar half my life. Uh, yesterday for Hope's birthday, we went to Good Rebel for breakfast and munched our way through pancakes and bacon. Um, and then after a few little interludes, oh, we had cake for breakfast. I forgot that. We had started the day with cake for breakfast. It's a little air tradition. On your birthday only, cake for breakfast. Brilliant. Um, then we went to Good Rebel, pancakes, bacon, um, and um, maple syrup. Thank you. Lovely. Mm-mm. And then in the evening, we, we munched our way through a curry. Fabulous. For me, chicken to piazza, peshwami naan, and pilau rice. Anybody feeling hungry yet? The very hungry fill air caterpillar, love it. So caterpillars munch their way through life like this, and then there's a moment where they stop doing that. I don't know who tells them to stop doing that. Somewhere they stop doing that, make a cocoon. And as I understand it, and the naturalists, not the naturists, will know that the caterpillar apparently turns itself to mush inside this cocoon, um, and emerges as a butterfly, as we know, sort of flying no longer munching around leaves, about alighting on sugary stuff and just living their best life. I just, I just love the idea of just living their best life. I think it'd be nuts if the butterflies decided to go crawling around leaves and trying to eat leaves, wouldn't it? We'd just, it'd be stupid. They don't do that. The caterpillar can't fly, even if it wanted to, until it becomes a butterfly. It's a transformation that happens in that cocoony mush. And it's just another illustration of how God works in our lives. He takes us from caterpillars to butterflies living our best lives, flitting around, eating sugar and stuff, and donuts at Shiloh. Caterpillar to butterfly. The caterpillar, I don't know, something's happening in there. It can't choose to fly until it's transformed. It can't choose to eat nectar until it's transformed. That's what God does. He transforms us. And the whole Bible is packed full of stories about how God transforms his people. Right from the get-go, he takes nothing and transforms it into something. Let there be light, and there was light. He takes the dust and transforms dust, dust, into people, Adam and Eve and people. I mean, we're pretty complex creatures, aren't we? We are complex creatures. What, some of us a bit less complex than others. Very simple fellow. Simple. Uh, others a bit more complex and a bit smarter. But you know, we're, we're complex creatures out of dust. It's transformation. That's what he does. He takes darkness and transforms it to light. He takes hopelessness and transforms it to hope. He takes namelessness and transforms it to name, belonging. He takes... Nothing to something. He takes dead, death to life. That's what he does. Do we not want that? Yes, we want that. God, transform our lives. We can change our minds, but we can't transform our hearts. I'm going to pause before part two. There is part two. Don't get excited. Part two isn't lunch yet. Part two. I'm just going to pause here and just ask you where you are and just to share one or two ideas. What is this sparking in you, if anything? What is this making you think about? Uh, what, are you, what, what are you thinking? Share an idea or two. And if you're not really thinking anything yet, that's fine. Don't feel under pressure. But I'd love you just in where you are to share one or two ideas for, li- for literally a couple of minutes. Then we'll get into part two. So where you are, maybe a bit of music will be good. Two minutes max. What are you thinking so far? All right, I'm glad you've got some ideas. So we're just going to think about making this real a little bit more. Um, And another little dog-related question for you, um, which Rachel doesn't know is coming, actually. So um, if I said woeies, 
Does that does anybody call their dogs woeies? Woeies. Whoa whoa. No? Little woeies. It's just you. It's just Rachel, little worries. We're going to think about, um, for, the, for the people who understand the Bible, the Beatitudes, which in fact in the Bible are titled Blessings and Woes. Uh, not Blessings and Worries, Blessings and Woes. Blessings and Woes. Uh, because in fact, if God is transforming our lives, he transforms our hearts. That's what he does. We might change our minds, but he transforms our hearts. And that is what he's after. That's what I hope we're after too. That's what he, he desperately wants us to have transformed hearts. And I'd love us to be pursuing transformed hearts. And I think the Beatitudes wrap this up quite nicely. Um, blessings and woes. It's in Luke if you wanted to read it. Um, and it says this, that these are the people that are blessed. And what, what is being blessed, by the way? What, I'd love to hear your first thoughts. They are blessed. What's, what does blessed mean? It's not kind of at issue, bless you. Well, I suppose it is a bit. What's, what's the bless? Happy? Peaceful? Favoured? Enjoy? Yeah. Blessed by God? Yeah. I don't know, just to make you think about it. Um, so these are the people that are blessed. Are you ready for this? The poor. Those who hunger now. Those who weep now. And those who are hated, excluded, insulted, and rejected because of Jesus, those are, those are people who are blessed. Um, I hope that sounds a bit different to the normal world in which we live. We tend to bless the opposite of these, don't we? Uh, in terms, if you think about blessing or honoring or enjoying or um, applauding um, or giving accolade and attention to, the kinds of people that we pay the most attention to tend to be not like this don't they? The rich get more attention probably than the poor, usually. Usually. Um, those who are full and eat a lot, particularly on a Saturday for their daughter's birthday, tend to get a bit of attention maybe. Um, I've, do you know, I go so much to Good Rebel, they gave us our, dinner, our, our breakfast yesterday for free, uh, which was quite nice. I said, thank you very much, thinking I wonder how much I've spent in here uh, to be given my brunch for, for free. But there we are, take, a, take the gift. Um, we tend to give more attention to the reputable. What makes somebody reputable? They're probably not hated, rejected, insulted, excluded because of Jesus. It's the opposite. So the people who are blessed are poor, hungry for more of God. They're, they're weeping. Sometimes there's a mourning. We're not yet. This world is in a mess, perhaps. Or maybe it's more personal than that. And he said, we bless you because the poor will receive the kingdom of God. The people who are hungry now will be satisfied. Those who weep now will have laughter and joy. That will come. It will be there. It will be transformed. But might be difficult now. Woe to you uh, who, are, um, who are already rich, who have already received your comfort. Uh, woe to you if people speak well of you. Because that's like the false prophet, says Jesus. And here I think we've got some clues as the difference between being transformed and not transformed. If God transforms our hearts, we will pursue his kingdom first. We're going to pursue, if I said spiritual satisfaction, for want of a better phrase, really, we're going to pursue him and him alone, and him first and foremost, uh, not our own reputations, not our own bank balances, perhaps, and not our own satisfaction all the time. I'm so tempted to break into a song about satisfaction. 
I can't get no. <laughs> None. Any. Uh, but maybe that's what God asks of us. I can't get no because I'm pursuing him. That's the life that I lead. My heart is after him. And I've written here in the middle of all of these little notes. I do have notes. It might surprise you. These are notes. Don't, don't take them. Um, is who is at the center? Who is at your worship center? Who is at your worship center? Like who invades your thoughts and your prayers and your ideas and your heart? Because if it's you, then you're in a bit of trouble. God, help me. Help my life. Help my work. Help me this. Uh, make them change because they're a pain in my neck. Oh, that was close. Um, there is such a pain. Make my world a lovely world. I'm at the center of it. Well, my people and my friends, we might need a transformation of heart if that's what's going on in our thoughts as a clue. If instead our thoughts and our prayers and our attention is, uh, how can I serve you, Lord God? What are you doing in this world? What can I join in with? And let me see with my eyes what you are doing. Let me hear with my ears what you are saying. Let me know in my heart what, you're, what you have for me. Then I think we've got something going on that's great. And that is where he wants us. That is where he wants us. Our hearts are alive to him. Um, Jesus, as you know, he literally opened people's eyes. I love the fact he spat in people's eyes. That's very not COVID. Um, yet he opened people's literal eyes. And he loves to do that, of course. But it's such a sign of what he, what he loves for us as his people. It's that he wants our eyes open to him, that we see Jesus and everything, not our own selves. I, I do think sometimes we wander around more like a like mirror in our hands if we're not careful. How's my life? God, help me here. Help me there. Help me here, here, here. And he says, who's, the, who's at your worship center? It should be him. Transform my heart, O oh Lord, again. This morning, some of us do need to come back and put him at the center of our worship again. And that's called his work, his transformation, his finger on our lives, his Damascus Road experience, his gentle nudge on the arm, if it's that. But it's his work that transforms our hearts. We can change our minds, but he will transform our hearts. And I'll repeat the rhetorical question. Do you not want your hearts transformed? Yes, well, we do. All right, that's part two. Part three, simple illustration this as we start to think about our response. And we've been thinking about this idea of the difference between change and transformation. Yeah, we're doing well, we're nearly there, it's all right. Um, and I love that, in fact, Nathan used the example this morning, without me knowing, actually, of um, the lost son. I think it's difficult to be partly lost. You're sort of lost or you're found. Um, Hope was lost, then she was found. She was never a bit lost. And thankfully, I don't actually think she really knew. Um, you're sort of in or out, aren't you? You're lost or found. And that, for me, is, a, is, a, is a, a great illustration of transformation. We're either lost or we're found. Um, this story of the lost son is phenomenal. I love it because um, he had such a close relationship with his father um, that he said to his father, I wish you were dead. I'm going to take the money and spend it all. That's kind of how it went. I mean, that's pretty tragic, um, perhaps a little bit too frequent. He did that. He took his inheritance, went out and spent it all. And what would you do with a million pounds, by the way? By a two-bedroom flat. You're optimistic, Sally. Where, where is this? Where is this flat? Um, I'm going to buy a one-bedroom flat with no garden in Guernsey or like a, a house in Leeds for 15 people. Uh, what would you do with a million pounds? 
I'm going to eat. <laughs> you know, you know I'm going to eat. I might eat, I'm, you know, I'm going to install a sort of coffee bar somewhere in my, my house somewhere. Uh, well, this guy just went and blazed his inheritance away. As again, if you're familiar with the story, you'll know. He reached a point where he was just eating junk because he'd run out of money and came back to his father expecting nothing more than to be put to work. Just make me work. I've got nowhere else to work. I can't get work. I know I've messed up badly. I know I've spent the money. I know I treated you so poorly. Please just give me a job because your servants are better treated than I'm treating myself. Um, and the father, again, if you know the story, it's, it's wonderful and profound. He's like, I, I don't want to give you a job. I'm going to transform your life, in effect. I'm going to take your dirty rags and put on robes of the, the um, illustrations, righteousness, but good robes, rings on fingers, restored back to the son that he is and always was. And in fact, the truly lost son in that story, as I've said a few times from this pulpit before, was the older brother who stayed home. He just missed the love of his father. That's the twist in the story at the end. The kind of religious person who didn't get the fun or the love or the joy that his father was desperate to pass on was the truly lost one. He never spent the money but he didn't know the father's heart. He kept digging the fields. Dig, 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 work, 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 sweat, sweat, sweat. Sweaty, sweaty, sweaty. Hmm. Jesus doesn't want us to sweat it out. He says, I'll transform you from lost to being found. If you're feeling lost this morning, this is the morning to say, I need your transformation. I need your arms around me. God, you transform. I'm trying to change myself. Ah, it's not working. It's not working, is it? No. His transformation. I'm now going to extend Jesus' story, which isn't ideal. So bear with. I wonder what the brother did after he was restored. They had an amazing party. They had a massive steak dinner, killed the fattened calf. Uh, we got lots of it's like steakhouse kind of stuff. I imagine him waking up in the morning like, I am full, maybe a bit hungover, who knows. Um, But what did he do the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that? I mean, what would you do? It's not rhetorical. What would you do? You were lost in some ways. You're now back. Your father's restored you. What would you do? Maybe start, you'd probably try to spend more time with him. You probably wouldn't leg it to the nearest wherever. You'd probably want to be around and reintegrated into the family. That's what I'd hope anyway. That's what I hope happened uh, in this story. It, it is a parable, not an actual story. It's a parable. Uh, and that's where we are. So he changes our hearts. Then he says, just keep relating with me. We're, I'll transform you, bring you back. And then could be continually, constantly changed, constantly relating. And I'm sure that's what he has for us this morning. If you're lost, let's be found. If you're in the dark, let's find the light. And the joy is he does that. I'm going to pause and pray. The band have one song for response. One. One amazing song. It's an amazing song, right, Naomi? They're all amazing, right? It's an amazing song. One song for response. Um, And as we, in a moment, stand to sing that, if you think, this, this, I need some of this transformation in my life, um, I am going to ask you to come to the front. We don't always, but I'd love you to come to the front for our prayer team to, to stand with you and pray for a transformative moment that something will happen this morning that's not happened before in ways that you've not experienced.
If you're prompted for a little change, I'd love you to pray where you are. If you want a real transformation, God, change my heart on this. Change me. Come forward for prayer uh, as we sing. Shall we stand and pray? And then Naomi and the team can lead us in a song.